Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Welcome to the 5 o'clock show. It's time for Common Sense. Now, it's Cats and Cosby with John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby standing for truth, justice, and the American way. Bringing common sense to the world. Now, here's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Well, this is John Katsimatidis. It's 5 o'clock, the greatest show in the world, just about. Well, uh, Wait a minute, in the stratosphere. How about stratosphere? East Coast, okay. <laughs> we, in the studio, we have uh, Judge Richard Weinberg. We have Governor Pataki. Thank you, John. Great being, great being back here. And uh, Peter King. Uh, I thought Sidney uh, gave you a knockout punch this morning. No, I, I KO'd him. He was down for the count. He's walking up and down the hall muttering to himself. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Poor and Sam. now we got a new theme song for Curtis. They're coming to take me away, ha-ha, they're coming to take me away, ho-ho, hee-hee, ha-ha, to the funny farm where life is beautiful all the time. Well, Curtis, what the heck is going on? I mean, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're in the streets of New York trying to protect things. There's a word out that you're going to get arrested tonight, so you got to tell us, set the record straight here on Cats and Cosby. Correct, number 78, my proudest was 77 outside of... Uh, Wait, wives or arrests? No, no, uh, close to <laughs> But uh, uh, outside of Gracie Mansion, when I served Bill de Blasio with papers from the court, and he had me arrested. Uh, But this one tops that because I'm outside of Creedmoor tonight, uh, and uh, along with uh, senior citizens, there will be a dozen of us. Does that mean you're going to be late for 7.05 with Sydney tomorrow? Well, I know that Frank Morano will be there ready to talk with Sid in the morning. And I think uh, uh, the DA, Melinda Katz, will make sure I'm cut loose because if I don't show up, John, you don't pay me. Wait, wait. Oh, wait. The I fix see. is in. Yes, the <laughs> fix is in. And explain why. Uh, what, child support? Is that what <laughs> exactly, you're doing? <laughs> exactly. She's going to make sure that I get to work so I get paid. So you can pay her. <laughs> exactly. All right. Exactly. And, and by the way, Creedmoor is the psychiatric facility in Queens because they who's, opened who's it the up D- early. Who's the DA in Queens? Melinda. Melinda Cash. That's right. Wow. Also, Creedmoor, Creedmoor is right on the Nassau County border. This is causing a lot of uh, anger in Nassau County, Floral Park. Well, it's a thousand of them, Pete. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. It's well, crazy. I was actually on the grounds last night. Once the cameras left, amazing. I was there after the cameras because I wanted to wow. see what it was like. <laughs> wait, wait, I know wait, that wait. would make you wait, day, wait, Peter wait, King. Wait, Peter doesn't believe <laughs> so, it. So, Curtis, what time are you going to be out there tonight? Uh, 7 o'clock. Everybody's welcome to come. Last week, remember, we had 4,000. I expect probably double that amount. Because people now know that they've moved in 200 of the illegal, single, able-bodied men. They intend on moving more in tonight. And we're going to chain ourselves to the fence to prevent that from happening. And if you notice, in advance of that, wow, Governor Hochul delivered a TKO to Eric Adams, the mayor, a 14-page scathing letter from her attorney saying, show me the money. We gave you $1.5 billion to care for the migrants, and you haven't provided us for an invoice yet. Show us the money. Yeah, it, there's a lot. Wow. Of, it's a battle royal. By the I way, I understand. I just had a phone call a few minutes ago okay. from Melissa DeRosa, mm-hmm. uh, Governor Cuomo's uh, uh, 
Uh, Chief of Staff. Staff. Yep, she's coming on, John. She wants to come on. Uh, Should we have it on? Absolutely. Absolutely. She knows where all the bones are buried and who buried them. But if you notice, Hochul is suffering. So she'll be on about 5.30 or 5.40. Yeah. So everybody should stay tuned to find out who's going to knock out who. Yeah, that's – but I want to find out about the the new big contracts. And Governor Pataki has a few things to say. Congressman King has a few things to say. I think I'm going to have to calm down, Governor Pataki. Yeah. (laughs) This is a heated – There's one contract. Yeah, it's a Florida contract. Doc Gov. Doc Go, check that out. $432 million, no bid contract that Eric Adams signed with a company that's never done this kind of work before. Hey, it sounds like what Andrew Cuomo was doing during COVID, and you should ask Melissa DeRusso about that. Ah, by the way, last time, go. by the way, last time it was heated with you guys. It'll be back again. Here's They're a little bit. They're coming to take me away, haha. They're coming to take me away, ho ho, hee hee, haha, to the funny well, place. If you need to be bailed out, I'll call Melissa. Yes. Oh, no, she'll never bail me out. But, you know, Frank has already said <laughs> if Curtis can't make it with Sid tomorrow, he'd be more than happy to substitute for me. Oh, isn't that oh, nice? Oh, I like that. Oh, very a good, nice. A good friend indeed. Exactly. Right in the back. Thank you. Thank you, Curtis. Stay and now safe. I understand uh, Ted Cruz is on the phone. Yep, we got Ted Cruz. With us today is Senator Ted Cruz. One big spokesman for uh, what's right in this country and what's wrong in this country. Senator Cruz, uh, there's so many issues going on. Where do you want to start today? Well, John, my friend, it's good to be with you, and thank you for being a, a voice of reason and sanity in a time uh, when when the world has, lo- has lost its way. Uh, I, I got to say, you know, I, right now I am more and more angry each and every day at the politicization and the weaponization of our Justice Department. We are seeing two standards of justice, one for the enemies of the White House. And we saw just this week indictment number four, although it's hard to keep track of of how many times they're going to use the legal system to go after Donald Trump. It is nakedly political. It's an abuse of power. And at the same time, we see the Biden Justice Department actively covering up and doing everything they can to protect Hunter Biden and protect Joe Biden from any consequences of their misconduct. And, and it's infuriating and deeply harmful to the rule of law in our country. This is wrong. Is anybody in the Democratic Party standing up saying that this is wrong? I, I'm not aware of a single elected Democrat with the courage to speak out against it. Every one of them hates Donald Trump so much that they're thrilled. They're thrilled with this incredible abuse of power every day. More and more evidence comes out of serious criminal conduct by Hunter Biden and far more importantly by Joe Biden. The, the, the evidence has now come out that while Joe Biden was vice president, the extended Biden family and his business associates received over $20 million from foreign nationals. In a few months after he left the vice presidency, His family and associates received an additional $8 million from the Chinese communists. So that's $28 million from China, Russia, Ukraine, and Kazakhstan. Now, John, look, you're a very successful businessman, but but people don't pay someone like Hunter Biden $28 million just because he's fun to have at a party and he uses up all the cocaine. They pay him because he's delivering something that they want. And, and the allegations, the allegations in that FD 1023 are that Joe Biden and Hunter Biden both.
solicited and received millions of dollars of bribes in exchange for official favors from Joe Biden when he was vice president. Now, if that's the case, then Joe Biden is guilty of bribery. And Understood. if that is true, Biden should be impeached. Does the attorney general have the ability to tie up the Senate's uh, hands uh, when uh, they, he has lied, David Weiss lied to the Senate? He should not. Now, they're going to try. But but to be honest, DOJ is trying anyway. DOJ is trying to actively prevent uh, Congress from investigating and engaging in oversight. DOJ, uh, the FBI is stonewalling. The FBI refuses to answer questions from Congress, refuses to answer any questions. I've questioned directly the director of the FBI, the deputy director of the FBI. What investigations did did they do? about the allegations that Joe Biden solicited and received millions of dollars of bribes. We are seeing the Biden Department of Justice and the Biden FBI stonewall consistently to protect Joe Biden. And and it is incredibly harmful. Sadly, Merrick Garland is the most partisan and political attorney general our country has ever had. Senator, thank you for coming on. uh, And, uh, I pray for our country because uh, the rule of law has to prevail, and right now it doesn't look like it's prevailing. And um, look forward to our next conversation. Thank you, John. I appreciate it. And to all your listeners, let me encourage you to go to our website. It's tedcruz.org. I'm I'm running for re-election next year, and, and Chuck Schumer and the Democrats have made me their number one target in the country. Thank you for speaking up and speaking the truth. Well... He's always he spirited. Few, uh, he's always and, and he told me later on that he's going to come on uh, again with my show on Sunday. Awesome. That's great. Governor, I can't wait. Awesome. I'll tell you, it just uh, really disgusts me how the Justice Department has failed to even look at the Biden seriously. I mean, what uh, Senator Cruz just said, $28 million. And the fact that the, <laughs> the House Republicans found that he had 22 different shell corporations right. and that Biden's grandchildren – we're getting paid from that. They didn't do anything to earn that, and nobody's been charged with anything. And I don't know if you just saw this week. A former head of the FBI in New York uh, was forced to uh, um, plead guilty to a crime. He got $17,000 from a foreign national. From a and, Russian, a from Russian, Russian oligarch, and, yeah. And he was forced to plead guilty to a crime. Now, maybe he committed a crime, but... Compare that to what the Bidens have gotten away with, and it's absolutely disgraceful. And it's not just the Bidens. When you treat Democratic leaders like this, well, it's the same thing. It happens in our legal system. A a guy walks into a bank, steals $7,000, he goes to jail for 20 years. A guy steals $100 from the bank, what happens? Now, what what that guy free? Well, in New York, he probably wouldn't get prosecuted, but that's another story. Gave a hundred million dollars. Oh, to Sam Bankman Freed. Sam yeah. Bankman yeah. Freed. Okay. Yep. Do you have the list of who he gave it to? No, but it was a whole bunch <laughs> well, of Democrats. Matt Ronnie had it, but he didn't yep. give it to. Are him. they giving John? Are they giving that money back? I don't know. Matt, where's the list? Yeah, where's the list? The hot list. It um, was overwhelmingly Democrats. Overwhelmingly. And by the way, yeah. he's not being prosecuted for that. Right. For whatever reason, they decided they not dropped to. that. They I want to know. Yeah, they I dropped it because yeah, it, would, it would have been embarrassing to them to see all these That's Democrats right. who got is, money. But how from this sad criminal. is that, Gov? To your point, it's how very, sad is that? It's very sad, and it just shows that we do not have a system of justice that is fair. And and 
to have democracy, you have to have that. Yeah, absolutely. It has to be equal justice for all. I understand Vito's on the line. Absolutely. We've Bring got the back. Staten Island Borough President, Vito Fasella, uh, who was out there in a press conference the other day about the migrants in his community. Uh, Vito, fill us in. Rita, can I leave the show right now? I don't want to listen to Vito. <laughs> We're going to put him in. Out. <laughs> I, was, I was just about to say, uh, despite the fact that Peter King is in the studio, this is one of the best shows I've ever heard. <laughs> You'll get through it? You'll get through it, Vito? I, will, I think he used the words muttering in the hallway a little earlier. <laughs> very good as that. Now, fill us uh, in but, on the latest with the migrants, Vito. A joke, but nobody's better than Peter King. Blessed to have him as a friend. Um, Thank you, Yeah, so this is just an ongoing saga, right? And where is the, the end? Uh, we've said from day one this is an unsustainable situation financially uh, at, a, at a minimum. And now the latest is that looking at a place on Staten Island called Fort, Fort Wadsworth, which was an active military installation for many years and now has been a national park, but is currently uh, used by Coast Guards the Coast Guard, and young families are living there. And the irony is just a few months ago, we we had a press conference to call attention to something uh, called the Blue Star Families, which raises money, which uh, accepts contributions of food and diapers, because the military personnel are not making enough to feed their own family or put diapers on their babies. So we're bringing attention to that, and yet they're turning around and suggesting that they may convert the fort to a migrant center, which would cost millions. So to me, that smacks of just a total uh, misplaced priorities. We don't want it. We didn't cause this problem. The federal government, with its open borders, continues to send folks this way. <laughs> and now it's 140 grand a year and growing per migrant family. The average income of uh, the stand, uh, household income on Staten Island is less than 130,000. So on so many levels, this is insane. And what we suggested is before you put migrants in any federal installation, whether it be Staten Island or other parts of New York City, they should put them on the National Mall first. And then once that's exhausted, we can have a conversation where else they may be able to go. You know, you hit the price tag, Vito. We are at such a busting point. Uh, I mean, it is amazing. Uh, 10000 they were saying at least like a month per migrant. Uh, what do you, what is the city saying to you? What's the state saying to you? And what about the federal government? Do you wish obviously other people would suddenly put it in front of the White House or in front of the Naval Observatory, which is Kamala Harris? She's the border czar, Vito. Well, that's it, right? We'll put it right in front of the people who've caused this problem and maybe they'll, they'll try to solve it. But until that point in time, we're scrambling. We don't support this effort. You know, there's a so-called right to shelter law that says that you know, it's not even a law. I take that back because the judge knows it's a consent decree. The consent decree. Uh, right. That was at, it was entered into 40 years ago. There's no law that says we have to accommodate and pay for housing and hotels and food for everybody. Are we a charitable city? Are we a giving city? Yes, we are. We care about others. We welcome people. But let's not confuse this issue. This is not an anti-immigrant move. This is an anti-illegal move that's costing people $12 billion. Uh, and, and there's no end in sight. You know, about a year ago, less than a year ago, when we call, asked the Independent Budget Office, which is a city agency, to do with numbers, they came up with a number about $600 million. But guess what? In less than a year, that number has gone up 20 times to $12 billion. And as I say, the wind in sight is now we're starting to see a fight between the state and the city. And who pays for it? The people of Staten Island by having and forced to accommodate individuals who came here. Many came here illegally and want to stay here indefinitely. 
And I just don't think it's right. It's misplaced priorities. And we need to put the people of this country and the people of Staten Island first before we start doling out billions to people who, uh, who I don't even know if they appreciate it, frankly. Um, but that's where we're at. Vito, this is George Pataki. You're absolutely right. And uh, it's just a disgrace what is happening. And I do a number of things. I think what you said about putting him on the Washington Mall is absolutely great. You know, uh, back during the Depression, I read history. They had things called Hoovervilles. We should have Bidenvilles uh, in Washington. And, you know, we should greet the immigrants instead of greeting them with um, uh, with iPhones and other things at the Port Authority. We should greet them with a bus and send them down to Washington. Take them to Washington, D.C. and say, Mr. President, uh, Vice President Harris, this is your problem. Here they are. What are you going to do about it? And uh, I, I, I just think uh, it's tragic for them. You know, that they're pawns in this, but it's because of the failure of Biden and Harris to do anything except open our border. And it's got to stop. The only way we're going to stop it is if we embarrass them politically. And Biden takes a look at reelection and says, hey, wait a second, this isn't going to work. Governor, I agree with you 100 percent. And, you know, we're not even talking about, as Peter knows, uh, when you're in a congressional office, you're dealing with thousands of people who want to come here legally who are trying to legalize, you know, the get big green card, whatever the case may be. I just was chatting with a woman with about a, an hour ago who said she's been waiting 24 years. She works seven days a week, and she's so d- disheartened and ticked off that these folks are coming here and getting free hotels and free food, and she's working seven days a week to feed her family, and yet she still isn't getting the necessary legal documents to become a citizen. And, and, and so what are we left to do? The only thing we can really do is, is put them right on their front lawn and said, you caused this problem, now solve it. If you know, keep up the fight. This is really important. It really is. Thank you, Peter. Thank you very much. And we will. You know, I think more and more people, uh, as, as we all know, a lot of folks, listen, they're very busy with their lives, especially younger people. They have two or three jobs, raising a family, going on vacation, going to school. They often don't get, uh, you know, pay, pay attention, if you will, or, or sensitized to it. But now more and more people are realizing that they're coming right down the block. Just last week, we were at a senior center that was for 15-plus years. Seniors lived there. They were asked to leave a number of months ago. And rather than sell or do whatever they want, it's now potentially going to become a home for for migrants. So you're kicking, not not necessarily kicking seniors out, though we don't know, so that 95-year-old women were forced to leave and now, a few months later, migrants are moving in. Something's wrong with that picture as well. Did somebody move by the building, and who bought it? No, no, they were, had it on sale. Uh, they were gonna. They talked about selling the property, and then back in the spring, they took it off the market. There were efforts made with the uh, the owner to try to get a new senior provider in there, and they decided not to. And it just smells a little bit because it was around the time that everybody was scrambling to look for a building. And they took it off the market. So, you know, me, I don't know for certain, but I wouldn't be surprised if they just saw the dollar signs coming. So they took it off the market, and now they, who the heck knows how much a month they're going to be making. Off well, of this deal. sounds well, like the Pakistani government, you know, we, making hundreds of millions. Yeah, that's we right. We will find out. <laughs> Definitely, we will find out. Uh, let's, thank you, Vito, for coming on, and uh, keep thank your you eyes all. and ears open, and we'll find the truth. And keep the fight and, up. Let's take let's take a break right now. We'll come back with more with with uh, Governor Pataki and Peter King and who, whoever else. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly two million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than fifty percent of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. 
depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katz and Rita Cosby. Katz and Cosby on 77 WABC. Well, we're back. And uh, we have a new guest in the studio, uh, uh, Congressman King. Would you introduce her? It's my daughter, Erin uh, King Sweeney. She used to be a councilwoman in Nassau County, and now she's down in North Carolina. She abandoned us, and she's now uh, south of the Mason-Dixon line. Happy to be here. Hi, John. Hi. And he, uh, tell us about North Carolina. Everybody's moving there. I, it's it's the hot place to be. I live in Charlotte. A lot of New Yorkers down there. Oh, I know. I worked at WBTV. I was and the anchor and, there. And in Charlotte, you told me before, out of your, your police, how many people in the police department? It was 33 and 11 of them were NYPD. <laughs> wow. The yeah. So they're keeping us safe. Wow. Governor, anything to say? Well, I'll tell you, she was the rising star in Republican politics in the state. And it's just really sad that great young people like her feel there's better opportunity outside of New York in a place like North Carolina. And it just tells you the failure of the policies in this city, the failures of the policies in Albany. And if it doesn't change, we're going to continue to use lose the best that we have in this state. That's really a shame, but you're right. It is such a testament. By the way, you were talking about the police force. There's a town in Minneapolis, in Minnesota, rather. Uh, the whole police force has just resigned because they said they get $22 an hour. It's not worth it's it, not low worth morale, it. and it's not worth it. How sad is that? What a sad testament. CBS will give you more to be a security guard. Yeah, <sighs> although federal, that's tough work these days, too. The federal government give you more to stay home. Yeah, I was just saying that's tough work being a, a, in CBS these days with all the shoplifting, right? Do we have Dave I mean, Donovan on? Yep, we've got Dave Donovan. Yep. Okay, introduce him. Perfect. We have Dave Donovan, who is the president of the New York State Broadcasters Association. And uh, Dave, we're so happy you're here. You know, we were thinking <laughs> especially about the value of AM radio in part, of course, with what we've been seeing in Maui. This just horrible destruction. A lot of the people there didn't get the proper warning. And just how important it is to have an emergency system like AM radio. It's so critical, right? Absolutely. And and, and thank you for having me. I, I just got off the phone with the, uh, my colleague out in Hawaii. And, you know, things are still, it's, it's tough to get information while you're going through the situation out there. But it is horrific. And I think, unfortunately, it, it's going to be get worse as, as we go on. But one of the real problems that you had out there is you had officials who kept saying, go to our website, go to the Internet and get more information, and it was down. Um, there was no cell phone. There was no cable service. Radio stayed on the air and has stayed on the air through the whole event. And one of the real problems was getting uh, your public officials to provide real-time, quick information to the radio station so they can get it out to the public. So it just shows that radio is absolutely essential in these emergencies. Look, we learned this during Superstorm Sandy. And once again, you know, history has repeated itself. But it actually shows the importance of radio, and it shows the need, frankly, to pass the um, AM radio in every vehicle act. Because I think, as we talked about before, some of your major manufacturers are taking or want to take AM radio out of electric vehicles. And a bill was introduced to to stop that. 
Um, it was introduced in May, uh, on May 17th. And, you know, in terms of legislative time, this bill is moving fast. It is already on the Senate side. It's already passed the Senate Commerce Committee. Half the Commerce Committee supports it. Um, if you look at who is supporting this, we have Ted Cruz and Bernie Sanders, uh, J.D. Vance. Wow, they don't agree wow. on anything, but <laughs> no. they agree on that. That's great. <laughs> J.D. Vance and Tammy Baldwin and Rich Blumenthal all on the same bill. So it's, you know, Senator Cruz and Senator Markey have done a good job. It's passed the Commerce Committee. On the Senate side, the issue really is finding floor time to get it debated. Um, and or finding a vehicle to attach it to. So those are the things. So in the Senate, we're we're moving, frankly, at, at light speed, given the normal speed for moving something through the Senate. Well, it's so important. Everybody, we're talking to uh, Dave Donovan. He's the president of the New York State Broadcasters Association. Uh, Judge Weinberg, you have a and, question? And isn't it needed in upstate New York? We have Governor Pataki here. Isn't it absolutely essential that you have AM radio in the rural communities upstate New York? No question about it. Dave, you go ahead. No, absolutely. Um, I mean, the bottom line is, is that the way the emergency alert system is set up in New York, your major emergency alert, the primary entry point are all AM stations, including this station, WABC. And they have the reach that gets all through, you know, from New York City out to the island and all through the Adirondacks and all through upstate New York. So um, it's, it's, it's absolutely essential. Yeah, I have, a, I have a farm up in the Adirondacks, and we're up there all the time. Internet never works. I mean, it might work one out of three days, and uh, AM radio always works. And whenever there's a catastrophe, like in Maui where you have to flee your home, you're not going to be on the Internet. But if you're in a car, you can get the emergency advice, and it's absolutely essential. Except that if you're in an electric car. Yeah. Except I, if you're in an electric car. And they don't require it, which is why it's so important for Congress to pass this bill. Right. I, I think if you to follow up, if you look on the House side, we do have support. We've got 145 co-sponsors and 13 members of the New York delegation have already signed <clears> on, six members of the New Jersey delegation. If, anybody, wanna... if anybody doesn't sign on, please let us know, and we will make sure that the world knows that uh, – the fix is in with some of those people. John, if I could just say, Dave, Dave, this is Pete King. I want to again commend you on the great job you always did advocating for AM stations. You were great. It was a, you know, a privilege to work with you in Washington. Well, thank you, Congressman. It was an honor to work with you on, on some difficult issues. And look, at it. the bottom line of all this is that we are having just a few issues on the Republican side because there are some members who don't want to, quote, mandate technology. But if you look at this, we're not mandating technology. AM has been in a car forever. For 100 years. For 100 years. By the way, WABC is celebrating September 7th. They're celebrating their 102nd birthday. Absolutely. And I'll be down there. And and, and the other thing, just so people understand, this is part of our national defense. And the government already mandates and requires stations to put in transmission equipment for EAS. Why should it let... You know, Volvo, you know, owned by the Chinese, or Tesla, or 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 BMW, essentially undermine our 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 a communication system, which is essential for national defense, because they want to turn the dashboard into a cash cow. We shouldn't let that happen. 
Yeah. And we're going to work hard on this. Absolutely. Sure. Absolutely. Uh, Dave, thank you so much for being here. Uh, you let us know. And as John said, let us know uh, who votes against it, if anyone dares to, and we'll uh, we'll call them out. <laughs> thank you so much. And well, thank, thank you, you for all your great work on this, John and the team. Uh, we're going to keep you. fighting. We're going to win this war. Thank you, you Dave. It. And uh, we're going to take a break right now. When we come back. We've got the head of no labels. Peter King's daughter, we're going to have Dave Donovan, the former, no, we're going to have Governor Pat McCrory, McCrory, uh, the former governor of North Carolina. Let's take that break. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. You're commuting home with Katz and Cosby. Now, here's John Katz and Matidis and Rita Cosby on 77 WABC. And we are back here on Katz and Cosby. Everybody looking to see, uh, could there be maybe a third party candidate in the presidential race? Uh, it, there's a lots of Different shakeups in the polls, too. On the GOP side, Trump's still far ahead, but there's a fight for number two, which is interesting, too, as well. So what about no labels? Uh, joining us now is the national chair of no labels, governor, uh, former governor Pat McCrory, who was also city councilman in Charlotte when I was there. Uh, it's great to have you here. And by the way, also in studio with us, we have Aaron King Sweeney, uh, who is also here, Peter King's daughter, lawyer, and also former councilman and councilwoman here in New York, of course. But well, great I'm to so have you. I'm so glad they didn't check. I'm, I'm so glad they didn't check your records back here in Charlotte before you've been. <laughs> it would be too long. It would take too long, Pat. You know that. It's great to talk with you, my friend. Hey, hey Governor, this is Pete King. Again. I have to congratulate you for the great job you did on the Homeland Security Advisory Council. But I'm still mad at you for you guys stealing my daughter, just so you know. I love your daughter, and she's never going to move back. And in fact, I hear she's starting to say "y'all" now. <laughs> you back up. <laughs> well, what's 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 happening with the third uh, the third party? You you signed up in ten states already. Yeah, ten states. Great news. We just got on North Carolina after a three month battle there, which is my state, the ninth most populous state. Uh, and, and we're on Florida. We're in, I don't have the whole list in front of me, but uh, we're in 10 states right now. And we hope to be on many more by the end of the year. And then there are going to be a few states where if we select candidates due to state law, they're going to have to put their name on the ballot. But we plan to be in all 50 states and uh, have some leverage in this campaign. And if we continue to uh, have the two leading candidates come out of the uh, Super Tuesday, Trump and Biden, we most likely will run a third candidate. Oh, so is that is that the barometer is Super Tuesday? If it turns That's out correct. that it looks like the race is as it is here, um, then you will. Is that what you're saying? Uh, if the surveys stay the same, because if it's Trump and Biden right now, the surveys are even getting worse for them. Sixty five percent of the American people don't want either one. And we've never we've never had that type of differential. Usually 40 percent of the people are dissatisfied with both parties nominee. 
but we've never had it between 60 and 70 percent. So, Pat, Total but Super Tuesday is the timetable is what you're saying. Yeah, because after Super Tuesday, now the way the elections are set up by each primary, it's basically over, as we saw in the last election. In fact, that election was done after South Carolina. So we're waiting after South Carolina and then uh, then we'll have Super Tuesday in March. Governor Joe Manchin has been you know, showing up. He's showing up here in New York. I know. Uh, what are the he, odds that Joe would think of running? He's been in our studio. Yeah, I know. Yeah, he's, yeah. Yeah, well, I think a lot of Senator Manchin, and he's been very active with No Labels and the Problem Solvers Caucus, uh, and I think a lot of them. He's got a big decision to make whether to run for re-election as a Democrat in the Senate. Uh, it's going to be interesting if he changes party or go independent. But there's there's no doubt a lot of people think a lot of uh, Joe Manchin, and uh, we'll see. We're not even close to that process. We've got to get on the ballots before we start thinking about uh, candidates at this point in time. We plan to have a convention, Congressman, in uh, Dallas in April with delegates and the whole shebang. It's We, we started this thing from scratch, and uh, I'm really impressed. And, you know, I've become good friends with Ben Chavis. Who would have imagined conservative <laughs> Pat McCrory being best friends with what people could perceive as labeled liberal Ben Chavis, Dr. Ben Chavis? And we have become best friends because we have found out we agree on most of the issues. We just have conversations instead of yelling. You at just each want other common or sense to prevail. Names. Yeah, you Absolutely. want common sense to prevail. Judge Weinberg, Governor, why is it so important that uh, there be candidates from No Labels against the Democrat and Republican candidates for the presidency? Well, I'm a pretty conservative guy who believes that competition is good, and that includes in politics. And the more competition you have, the better choices the customer has, and also the better quality of candidates hopefully you'll get. We hope our – we came out uh, about four weeks ago in New Hampshire, came out with 30 common-sense solutions to 30 different uh, issues. And it's where the American people are, and the two parties – are only talking to their base in the primaries. For example, on immigration, you know, the Republicans want a strong border. The Democrats want the dreamers. The Democrats can't say they're for a, a strong border, and the Republicans can't say they're for the dreamers. But 70% of the people want both. So that's the common sense. Just do it. But the, 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 party, the party primaries aren't letting candidates to do uh, what the people want. What do you say, Governor, to people who say that you will take away the votes from Biden um, by entering the race? What do you say? I'm afraid. I'm afraid Biden and Trump are going to take votes away from us. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean who, who are they to say that we're taking votes away from people? You know, that's their problem. Uh, if there were good candidates, we wouldn't be doing this. If the American people like them, we wouldn't be doing this. So, Governor, is, is part of the strategy then to set an agenda so if one of those two gentlemen get uh, elected as a presidency, you can move to the center in terms of public policy? Is that what you're trying to do as well? Well, we're trying to do two things, Congressman. We're first trying to influence decisions on policy. And the second is we're trying to provide an alternative to the, for the American people who are dissatisfied with the choices that the parties are providing. And if you think about it, you know, you've played the game. I've played the game. I've been played by the game. I'm here to expose the game. Yeah. And the game right now is the two parties have become so arrogant where they just assume we have to concur with their decision, whether we like it or not. And if we don't concur, they say, oh, you're throwing away your vote. 
if they were in the private sector, they'd be bankrupt right now. Absolutely. And, Governor. Uh, I'd love to influence them and get better. You know, I'm a Republican, and I think there's some great candidates in the Republican Party who'd make a great president and could win. But that's not the direction we're going now. Governor, thank you for coming on, and uh, we uh, will stay in touch with you and find out what's going on with the third party in the United States of America. Thank you so much. Yeah, well, keep us posted. When, uh, when the congressman's daughter keeps getting that, says, yes, ma'am, and yes, sir, and says, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I, true story, people think I'm I'm from the South because I picked up the accent, even though I was born in Brooklyn. Pat, you've caused enough damage to my family, okay? <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you, Governor. We love you. Thanks, Thank Governor. you. Rita, who do we have on now? And joining us now is the former right-hand person to then-Governor Cuomo, Melissa DeRosa. Uh, Melissa, great to have you here on the show. You know what? I got to get your reaction uh, to what was a scathing letter covering from Governor Hochul uh, slamming uh, the mayor over his migrant response, basically saying that the city was late, they didn't take advantage of some of the funds. Uh, what's your reaction to what looks like a battle royale between the governor and the mayor? So first, it's really great to hear your voice, Rita, and to be back. I feel like I haven't spoken to you guys in a long time, and I, for one, would never mistake you for anything but Brooklyn. So let's just thank be clear you, about that. thank you, <laughs> thank you all. I mean. When I read that Times story this morning, I have to tell you, my head exploded. It is the definition of ineptitude, ineffectual, lack of leadership, incompetence. Just the idea that the governor of the state of New York, who ultimately the buck stops on his or her doorstep, would send that letter to Eric Adams or about Eric Adams and how the mayor has handled the migrant crisis, which, by the way, I think has been far from perfect. But he is the only one who has stepped up and tried to deal with it. And it is a crisis that was laid at his doorstep starting last August when the stay in Mexico policy expired, when Joe Biden and the administration did that without any plan or wherewithal to deal with it. And those buses of people started showing up. And Eric Adams was the only one who stepped up and tried to manage the crisis. For her, a year later, to step in with this letter, it was just the height of arrogance and hypocrisy and the idea that New Yorkers, who, by the way, are a lot of things but not stupid, would buy into this was just pure insanity. You know, I want to ask you, Melissa, um, do you believe uh, we were talking earlier and and Governor Patek, I thought you had a great idea calling it Bidenville, right? You use that phrase. Basically, that it should be turned around. Uh, You know, the buses, turn them around. Let's send them back uh, or set up the migrant camps and call them Bidenville because he's created the crisis. Don't you think maybe we're at a boiling point? I, I mean, just in general with the issue? You know, look, Rita, I, I, this is a humanitarian crisis. These are people, many of whom are fleeing from dire situations in their home countries. But many of them are not. Many of them are not. They're not vetted. Many of them are not. But the point is, we created this problem. And yes, wait, 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 Melissa, Melissa, this is George Pataki. I apologize for being rude and interrupting, but I'm from New York. So, so we do that. Uh, what do you mean? We, we don't by, do that in South what Carolina. Do you, what do you mean? North Carolina. I yield the floor. I yield what, the floor. what do you mean by we created this problem? Are you referring to Joe no, Biden and his border policy? No, 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 no. You're right. You're right. When I when I say we, I mean the United States 
which elected Joe Biden, which ran on a platform, which included getting rid of the stay in Mexico policy. And we can debate the merits of that. But what I will say as a Democrat is that it was completely bungled from the top on down. They had no plan. It was all rhetoric and no management behind it. And now you have real lives that are hanging in the balance. You've got the city on the brink with the homeless shelters. And it's an entire debacle. And at every level of government, you see incompetence. But wasn't it and preventable? I, I, I think that's the governor's point. Wasn't yes, it preventable? Yes, I mean, close yeah, the, I mean, when, when the board. When you say we created this problem, it's really the Biden administration. The problem wasn't like this before that. And, and by the way, Melissa, would you recommend that Governor Hochul should sue Biden for the failures of his policy and the burden it's placing on New York? I would recommend that this governor step up and do her job. And Governor, and you were Biden? governor, and I and I was secretary to the governor. What we would have done at this point was declare a state of emergency. We would have taken hold of the situation. We would have dealt with the county executives, identified places where they were welcome. You know that I, I believe they would have done that. Where we we would have stepped up and dealt with it. And the idea Wait, that what, what about the Sue Biden? What about the Sue Biden? That's an interesting yeah. point. I mean, if I were you know, governor, I would I, sue Biden. I think, I think honestly, at this point, Governor, to your point, every option needs to be on the table because there is such a lack of leadership from the top on down. And all the Democrats, which I am one and I am a proud Democrat, but this idea of this go along, get along, and we're not going to criticize each other until there's a little bit of heat on you from the editorial board. And then you're going to start a letter writing campaign. It is a disgrace. And this city is at the brink. I believe in the next two to three years, we are going to determine the fate of this city in the next 20 to 30 years. And someone has got to start acting like an adult. Yeah. And and listen, I I hear you on that. I will still say close the border. I'd like to see more Democrats going out to the White House and saying close the border. Where's that? You know what I've said today? I was on Greg Kelly's show before, and I said that somebody in the Democratic Party should stand up and say what's going on with President Trump. And being President Biden, uh, no, what's going on with President Trump? Oh, oh okay, you're talking and, about another and being, issue. Uh, uh, indicted in four different counties. I mean, for a next president, I think that's wrong. You know, if if somebody wants to have an indictment, it's up to the attorney general and do it federally, and that's it. Don't don't go to Mayberry MFD. You know. By the way, Melissa, what are your thoughts on all that? You know, look, I, this, the, the stuff with President Trump I view is entirely differently. I, I have come on your show before and I have voiced dissension with the ranks. I think what Alvin Bragg did was purely political. I have real concerns about taking an oath of office and then seeking to overthrow a duly elected government. I think what happened on January 6th was a disgrace. And I think if people broke the law and didn't uphold their constitutional duties, they should be held accountable. And I think that that is something that no one should debate. I think that the founders were very clear on a peaceful transition of power. I agree. But, so you should call Stacey Abrams and you know, give her so, a call. <laughs> no. So, I, I, so you know, look, I think that you have to sort of separate these four cases. I think January 6th is very serious. I think what happened in Georgia is very serious. I think that they need to be looked individually. I do think politics has influenced Tish James vis-a-vis Trump, Alvin Bragg vis-a-vis Trump. And I think that when that happens at these lower levels, it taints the entire judicial system. And then everything looks political. And then you're at a point where you have no faith in the justice system, which is an even larger problem in America. Melissa DeRosa, thank you so much for coming on. Stay tough. I love tough women.
He does. He sits next to Great one on the show every day. <laughs> Thank you. We'll catch All up right. with you again uh, real soon. And he married one. All right. And he married one, too. That's true. And his daughter, who's fabulous, too. He's got it all oh, around you. Oh, she's beating me up all the time. Yeah, you got them all surrounding you. And now you have Erin, too, in the studio, too. She's a tough gal, too. She's impossible. Well, who do we have on now? Let's go to the next guest. <laughs> and up next, we have Andy McCarthy. He is the former assistant U.S. attorney. And, Andy, we were just talking, of course, about uh, the Trump case. Uh, first off, your thoughts about this latest one. And, and one of the things, by the way, we have our Mayberry theme, don't we have? Where's, we got to play this, Andy, for a reason. Well, are they indicting, are they indicting, uh, uh, President Trump and Mayberry? They might be. They might, you know, I think they missed. Call, a- somebody called Barney Fife. <laughs> <laughs> I love Barney. Barney was great. Andy, <laughs> John's point is a great one where it is Fulton County now going after the former president of the United States, and, and maybe every, the future and every one. Station, every station, every network says Georgia. It's not Georgia. It's Fulton County. It's Mayberry, maybe. And is it open season now? Because did you see this, Andy, that uh, Arizona, Katie Hobbs, the governor of Arizona, just came out in the last few hours and was saying, well, maybe we'll go after Trump for the 2024, 2020 election. I mean, is it now any Mayberry or anywhere else says fair game? Well, I think, Rita, that John's actually going to get his wish. Um, the uh, lawyer for Mark Meadows, who was, of course, uh, former President Trump's chief of staff and is now one of his co-defendants in the big racketeering case. Um, he moved uh, yesterday to have the case removed to federal court. And I read his uh, papers today. He's got excellent lawyers. Not, so not surprisingly, they're very strong papers. I think the case is being moved to federal court. And the issue there is that under what's known as the supremacy doctrine in the, uh, the supremacy, from the supremacy clause of the Constitution, if federal officials are acting in a manner that is consistent with their official duties, state officials cannot take actions that frustrate the operations of the federal government. And if you have top officials of the executive branch who are carrying out their official duties, uh, they have at least a a puncher's chance of an argument of saying that they're immune from state prosecution. Andy, this is Pete King. If they do get it removed, say for Meadows and for the president and maybe some other federal officials, how about the other 12 or 13 local people in Georgia? What happens to them? Well, I think they – it's possible, Pete, that they could just move the whole kit and caboodle to federal court on the theory that once federal court has jurisdiction over it, there's a doctrinal law that says that uh, defendants who are uh, indicted together are supposed to be tried together. And I, I think that there's a very good chance that the federal court would just take the whole case. Frankly, if I was the prosecutors in Georgia, I don't want to try this beast of a case in two different places anyhow. So it should be in one or the other. Uh, but I do think your question is a, is points up another important thing, which is that the federal officials are in a very different, not only, I think, legal, but factual posture from some of these actors in in uh, Georgia who, you know, there's no reason to think that they necessarily knew each other. And I think that the reason or, or knew what each other was doing. And I think the reason that um, what's in uh, uh, Fannie Willis, the reason that she 
try is trying to do this by a RICO conspiracy, which really doesn't apply <coughs> to this situation, is that the thing that these 18 people were all in on was retaining Trump in power. And by itself, that's not illegal. Now, it's possible that they could have committed crimes in in trying to carry out that objective. But in a normal conspiracy case, you know, black letter law is you, for a conspiracy, you need the, the people that you've charged. You have to show that they agreed to do something that was in violation of the law. They agreed to violate a criminal statute. And everybody, and everybody, all... we're talking to Andy McCarthy, uh, former U.S. attorney uh, for the Southern District. Uh, Judge Weinberg, you got a question? Andy, I think you're exactly right. And I think in that first count, the RICO count, I think she's overcharged on two different ways. Number one, she's brought everybody into the RICO charge. And two, that RICO statute is really supposed to be going after organized crime, not this kind of uh, this kind of enterprise. What say you? If I could just say in that, Andy, yeah. uh, my professor in law school, G. Robert Blake, is the one that wrote that bill, uh, that uh, law, yeah. RICO, and he never intended to go beyond organized crime. Yeah, I think that's, uh, in fact, the law, uh, if I'm remembering right, Pete, was written in 1971, and it lay pretty dormant until Rudy started to use it in the 80s uh, against organized crime groups in the city. But the thing about it is that the innovation of RICO was before you had it, it was very hard to prosecute organized crime because they're involved in a bunch of different categories of criminal activity, and you couldn't bring them all together in one case. You know, you'd have to bring a murder case and a gambling case and an extortion case, which is very hard to do. So what RICO did was it made it a crime to be a member of the organization rather than targeting like the disparate crimes that they all committed. And if you apply that, you can understand how that would work with a mafia family because they have an interest in sustaining the existence of the family so they can keep making money. But if you try to apply it to what happened here, these 18 people were not interested in being in a group. I don't even think they knew they were in a group. The yeah. only thing that united them is they wanted to keep Trump in power. And that was either going to work or it wasn't going to work by January 20th of 2021, at which point the group would be gone. And real quick, Andy, and we we just have about a minute left. I want to ask you because, you know, the the Fannie Willis, I call her Fulton County Fannie, um, but she said that, okay, I want all the parties in by latest next Friday. That's when the arraignment is. There's cameras in the courtroom, uh, maybe a mugshot. We'll take mugshots. Yeah, what will we see? Will we see this big group at once? What? Just real quick from a practical standpoint, Andy. No, well, I think they're making individual arrangements for surrender, and I would imagine President Trump would go in, if he has to go in at all, he would go in individually. But the case, Rita, by the time we're talking next week, it could be removed to federal court, which I hope so. be a whole different set of rules. I, I hope wow. so. Andy, we'll thank a, you. You're terrific. On the, on the way to Supreme Court. So yeah. Let me just say, my wife, Rosemary, she's from Atlanta, Georgia. She says, Fulton County is not Mayberry. So you're defining the family now. <laughs> <All right. laughs> The family. Thank you, the Governor, family. Governor Pataki. Thank you for being here. <laughs> Judge Weinberg, uh, Peter King. Don't uh, forget Aaron. Aaron King. Aaron, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Who's Sweeney? <laughs> yeah, we got to find out. We thank know Jack. It's the mom of our, our favorite. Jack, Jack. King. Uh, thank you all, and uh, pray for America. And what do we, what stand, do we stand for? for? True, True justice, justice and the American way. way. God bless America.